Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I want to welcome you back to this podcast. We are now in Season 3 of Weathering the Storm on the Scatterbroad Network, and today we are recording Episode 12, Weathering the Storm, When You Grieve, Part 2. If you joined us last week, you you know that we started a brand new series, a five-part series on the grief cycle. And so it is my prayer, it is my aim that uh, through these five episodes, this this small series that we're doing this season, that it'll help you if you're going through the grieving process, or maybe just give you some more information about the grieving process. And uh, maybe this is something that, of course, you're not anticipating, you're not expecting, but maybe something does happen. And you want to be able to turn somewhere and, and get some information about it. That's what I'm hoping to provide here. So if you're going through the grieving process, maybe you have someone else who's going through it and you want to help them, then hopefully this small series during this season will be helpful for you. In our last episode, we kicked off the series by discussing weathering the storm when you grieve, discussing the cycle beginning with denial and how everything kind of starts there. You deny what has happened, the magnitude of the situation, and we kind of went into some details. So if you haven't listened to that, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that part one of this series, and hopefully that will be more helpful with this episode and moving forward throughout the series as we think about the grief cycle. Before we dive into our study, as always, I want to uh, encourage you, if you haven't already, to go and check out the Scattered Abroad Network. You can visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. You can contact us via email at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram, and certainly we ask that you pray for this effort as we are striving to bring glory to God and spread the gospel to as many souls as possible through the avenue of a podcast. And so we have new content coming out every day, and again, I want to encourage you to go check out those podcasts, uh, all the podcasts on the network, and I thank you so much for listening to this particular podcast, Weathering the Storm. As I mentioned, the first episode and kicking off this series was centered around uh, weathering the storm when you grieve, discussing what it means to be in denial. And we talked about the fact that you you start off by denying that, you know, this hasn't really happened. There's no way this is this is real. There's no way I'm going through it. And I discussed what happened with my dad the day he passed away and, and the events that took place there and and how I was in that denial stage, but it wasn't just one long stage. It was kind of uh, coming and going. Uh, but now, as I consider my own process through all of this, uh, I've moved on from the denial stage. I know that it is real. I know that it has happened. Um, I've accepted that. And even though it's very painful, I do realize uh, that he is gone. And so I've moved on from the denial stage but the one that we're going to talk to uh, talk about today is something that uh, is, is very real for me and very personal. But I do want to share this again with the hope of helping you, with the hope of helping someone who's also going through this. Uh, God forbid goes through losing a parent the way that I did or perhaps losing a child or uh, whatever the case may be. But we mentioned in our last episode that the grieving process is normal and it is natural. And when you go through it, nobody grieves the same. But it is a healthy thing to do to grieve. 
So we're moving on from denial. That's the first step. And now we want to discuss the bargaining stage. The bargaining stage, or some might call it the what-if stage. I want to share with you what I found on WebMD describing this stage in the grief cycle. This stage of grief may be marked by persistent thoughts about what could have been done to prevent the death or loss. Some people become obsessed with thinking about specific ways things could have been done differently to save the person's life or prevent the loss. If this stage of grief isn't dealt with and resolved, the person may live with intense feelings of guilt or anger that can interfere with the healing process. And so you see from from that quote and from that statement, this is very important when you're going through the grieving process, going through this cycle, that you understand what is going on in this stage. It's very natural to have these thoughts. It's very natural to say, what if I could have been there? You know, what if I could have called just one more time that day? Or what if I could have kept him or her on the phone a little bit longer? What if I'd have showed them more love? What if I would have reached out to them a little bit more? You know, for me specifically, I think about that morning. Um, I was up. I was awake. I, I went into our kitchen, and I was uh, studying for the upcoming sermon. It was a Thursday morning. Uh, just kind of spending some time reading. And, you know, my children woke up. Uh, my son wanted to, to play uh Throw some football, so went outside, did that, came back in, played some some PlayStation. We're just going about our day. And I didn't go and check on my dad till 1 o'clock because me and him were uh, going to go visit my mom. I think I shared this with you in a previous episode this season. And that's why I didn't go in there. I thought, you know, he's just sleeping. He's resting. I'm, I'm not going to bother him. I'm going to let him rest. Uh, and then I'll go, you know, make sure he's getting up and getting ready, check on him and That'll give him an hour. There's plenty of time to get ready and we can go. So I didn't go into the room until one o'clock. And of course, by the time I'd gone in there, he he was already he was already gone. He had already passed away by the by the time I had walked in the room. And so yeah, I experienced this feeling. What if I would have walked in there earlier? You know, what if I would have walked in there as soon as I woke up and just opened the door and said, Hey, just wanted to Come and say good morning, anything that you need, anything I can do for you. Or, you know, what if I could have gotten up and walked in there and said, hey, let's let's go get breakfast, just me and you. You know, or hey, uh, let's come in here and watch, you know, whatever on ESPN. You know, I, I've had those thoughts. But I also remember that Friday, just about a week before, I took him to the doctor. And he did not want to go. <laughs> He fought me tooth and nail. Now, I have four small children, so I'm used to it. But but he, he did not want to go, and he told me. He said, listen, I, I don't want to go. I said, I know you don't want to go, but I'm here to help. We came up here to help you, and you need to go to the doctor. You need to talk to him about maybe readjusting your medication. And he said, well, I, you know, I really don't want to go. I said, I know you really don't want to go, and I really don't want to have to go through this either. I said, but you know what? I'm your son. And I'm here to help. And we talked about my mom. I said, you know, she don't want to do what she's doing. Why do you think she is? He said, well, she's, she's driven. She's motivated to get up and do it. I said, that's right. I said, now, you may not be motivated right now. You may not be driven right now. But please, for me and for Mama and for everybody. 
and mostly for you. Let's go to the doctor. Let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do to help you because I want you to get better and I know that you want to get better. Well, he kept on denying it. He kept on fighting me. Hey, can can we go next week? I, I'll go next week. I said, I we don't know about next week. I looked him in the eye and I said, we're not guaranteed next week. Little did I know that it wouldn't even be a week until he would pass away. But I remember going to get his socks for him, get a shirt, get him his entire outfit, got him his shoes. And like I do with my children, I put his socks on him. And I remember looking up at him and he looked at me and it was kind of like a a moment of, you know, I'm going to go to the doctor, but it's not going to change anything. And it was almost like he looked at me to say, I know that you're trying and I appreciate what you're trying to do. We just kind of had that moment. And when he got dressed, I, I patted him on the shoulder and I said, it's going to be all right. I said, we're, go- we're going to go take care of it today and then we'll be done. We'll have the whole weekend off. It'll be fine. So he did. We went to the doctor and he told the doctor that he hadn't been taking medication for over three months. Uh, and so that had a lot to do with the problem. And let me say this to, to our listening audience. If you're listening to this and you battle with depression, maybe you have a family member, a coworker, somebody that battles with depression, go see a doctor. Go see a doctor and make sure you're taking the medication. You know, they're doctors for a reason. <laughs> they went to school for a long time. They, they know what they're doing. Talk to them and see if they can't find something that will work for you that will help you. Please do that because my father didn't. I know now that he just didn't want to. He wasn't concerned about getting better. And he fought this this problem for a very long time. He had a lot of demons. He had a lot of depression that that was a monster. And he really fought hard. I I believe that. But you know, when you think about this this what-if stage, uh, again, I I had those moments. The night before uh, he passed away, we were watching the World Series together. He knows that I love my Atlanta Braves, and, and you know, he loved baseball. He loved the Yankees because he grew up watching Mickey Mantle and uh, DiMaggio and, and those guys, and, and those were his heroes. And so we shared that common love for baseball, and we watched the World Series game that night, and, and he stayed up later than normal. And little did I know that was the last moment we would have together. Um, but I told him, you know, we got, we talked baseball, we talked about the pitchers, and base running, blunders, and all those things. But he said, you know, I I hope they come back and win it all. I said, yeah, me too. I think they will. Got a good feeling about this series. Uh, And that was the last conversation that that we would have. But I kept wondering, what what if I could have just said, hey, will you stay up and finish the game with me? Or can can we – you want to drink some coffee with me? And so I go through that stage of I wish I just had a few more minutes to talk with him, just a few more moments. Maybe he, maybe he'll tell me something that that can help him. Maybe he'll hang on a little bit longer if we can do that. So I know what it feels like to be in that stage, the what if, the what could have been. But friends, I'll tell you this: I'm at peace with the fact that I did everything I could. He knew that I loved him and respected him. And our relationship didn't really start and be strong until I actually left home and went to college. 
And I think being away, six hours away, actually brought us closer. Because when I would come home, uh, you know, those few times out of the year, you know, we, we, we shared more moments together and we did more things together. And uh, he was very supportive. You know, I could tell he was very proud of, you know, what I was doing on the field and in the classroom. And he, education was big for him. That was a premium. And so, you know, I, I know that he knew that I truly cared about him and I wanted to honor him. And so when I think about this stage of what if, what could have been, I know that I did my best to be a good son and to honor him as my father. Just a few days before I was preaching the gospel meeting at the Adairsville congregation and he didn't go Sunday, but he went Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And so I talked to him about his mental health. I talked to him about his job. I talked to him about potentially retiring. Talked to him about, you know, mama and the fact that she's going to get better. Talked to him about my children, my plans for at Georgia Christian, the upcoming baseball season. We talked about all of that. But you know what we talked about more that week than we ever talked about before in the previous time? We talked about spiritual things. We talked about the importance of your soul. And we had a great conversation on the way back from visiting with my mom. And I talked to him about his soul. I talked to him about the importance of obeying the gospel, about being a member of the Lord's church, about being washed in the blood of Jesus and knowing that all your past sins will be washed away. And we talked about uh, the fact that when you're in the right location, when you're in Christ, there's no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, and that heaven can be your home. And even though you struggle and you battle and you go through things, to know that if you just keep hanging on, heaven will be worth it. And friends, I'll tell you this. I thank God that He gave me the time to talk to my dad about his soul. You have to remember that successful evangelism it's not necessarily converting someone. Successful evangelism is presenting the truth to someone in a loving way. Then it's up to them what they do with it. Because the power to convert someone is not in me. The power is never in the messenger. The power is always in the message. And so when you get God's word out there, you've been successful. And so I thank God for the opportunity to talk to my dad about his soul. And because of that, and because we had those days, and he got to come and, and hear the sermons, and because we had to have those conversations, I'm very thankful that, that God was long-suffering with him, with me. And that's really helped me with this bargaining stage. The what-ifs, what could have been, I know that I couldn't have stopped him. He was going to go through with it. Maybe not that day. Maybe he would have waited till we were all gone. But he had been planning this, I do believe. He was very sick. He was hurting. He was in a very dark place. He was broken. And there's nothing I could have done to alleviate his pain or to stop him from doing what he did. And that's helped me with this stage. And you may be listening and you may say, well, you know, my, my loved one is battling cancer. And there's nothing I can do for them. 
I'm watching them suffer. You know, I've taken them to doctor's appointments. I've tried to make them comfortable. I've tried to encourage them, but I can't do anything for them. And that's the key. You can only do so much. And so when you come to this stage in the grieving process, you know, what if I could have been there? What if we would have had one more conversation? That could have changed everything. What if, what if we could have brought something else up at the doctor's office? What if I would have walked in there just a few minutes earlier? Could I have prevented something? Listen, that won't do you any good, number one. But number two, remember you can only do so much. You can only control what you can control. When you come to this stage in the grieving process, put all your trust and faith in God and know that that you can get through this. You can accept what has happened and you can move forward because if you don't, it'll haunt you and it'll take away years off of your life. The best way that I know how to honor my father is to be the best husband and father that I can be for my family. I want my children to rise up. I want my children to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and that's my responsibility, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That's my responsibility as a spiritual leader of the home. And so that's what I intend to do. I intend to move forward. I intend to do what my dad said, plan ahead. That's what I want to do. But I want to plan ahead for eternity. And I want to make sure my children are where they need to be. So when you come to this stage in the grief cycle and you strive to weather the storm, just remember you can only do so much. And when you've done all you can do, trust in God to take care of the rest. Give it to Him. Let go and let God. I thank you so much for listening today. I do hope and pray that if you find yourself in this situation that that you can go back and listen to this, and, and maybe some things that have been said will help you. But again, I thank you for listening, and I hope and pray this will help you to weather the storm. May God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, And we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use. And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.